Welcome to a Why Is This News edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7-365. My name is Matt Tamanini. I'm the Deputy Managing Editor of the site, and I'm joined by one of our fearless leaders, the lovely Buckeye herself, our co-managing editor, Alexis Chase. And Alexis, it's game week. Yay, football's almost here. Finally, I can't tell you how excited I am to put most of the junk we've been dealing with for the past month behind us and actually be able to talk about stuff that's happening on the field. I know. And well, and you just reported earlier today that OSU's opening practice on Monday for Ryan Day interviews and coaches. So I think Greg Schiano is also going to be talking. So, Correct. you know, it's going to actually feel like a game week and ah. A week away. I know. It's so good. And, and that's one of the things we've talked about before. No matter where you come down on whether or not Urban Meyer should have been punished, the punishment was appropriate, or he should have been punished worse, I think everybody agrees that Ohio State handled this entire fiasco absolutely terribly. And as we've talked about before, Alexis, I think one of those things that they handled poorly was extending the media blackout as long as they did. So now that we are finally in game week, I'm glad that we are getting back to some semblance of normalcy, because while you can hate the media and blame the media for piling on urban and creating this uh, as much of this as a problem as as you think it is, if the media is not allowed to come to practice, if the media is not allowed to talk to players and coaches, fans don't get any information. So in one way or another, it's not only the media blackout that's been lifted, it's an information for fans blackout that's been lifted. So I'm excited to get back to that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, Ryan Day released, what, like two pages of comments about the status of everything, which, you know, is nice, but that's not really going to get the juices flowing. Well, and it was the most generic coach speak. I mean, right. for Ryan Day, I appreciate him doing that, but it was more or less worthless. I mean, it uh, was pr- I can't quote it. That's for sure. No, exactly. So, all right. So we do want to hit a few things uh, in the aftermath of the investigation. Normally, we come to you on Fridays heading into the weekend. But because the suspension news broke on Wednesday night, our <laughs> our podcasting colleagues, Colton and Patrick, had a reaction to that that came out on Thursday. So we thought it would be a little bit redundant to come in here and talk about the news on Friday and just kind of overlap with everything they said. So... We pushed it back a few days, celebrate the beginning of actual game weeks, uh, but we will be back in this feed on Fridays beginning the day before kickoff, so on August 31st. Uh, But let's get a, a little bit of news. And Alexis, I'm honestly a little surprised that this hasn't happened earlier. But over the weekend, we learned that 2019 uh, top-level linebacker Kane Patterson, who is uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee, decommitted from the Ohio State class. He has since said that it was, at least in part, because of all of the circus going around with Urban Meyer. He said that he was going to focus on his high school season, keep all of his options open, and then potentially look back at Ohio State uh, when he gets back to recruiting after his season is over. He's a big talent and somebody that I'm sure the coaches would still like to have in the program. But if we just lose one recruit from 2019 or 2020 out of this whole mess, like I think that's actually a win. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be worse. And I think, you know, a bunch of moms of commits have come out issuing statements in support of Urban Meyer. And so it 
it really does seem like, you know, a majority at least shouldn't be a problem in terms of, you know, losing many, if any, more recruits. Yeah, losing Patterson did drop the Ohio State 2019 recruiting rankings down a bit. They are still number one in the Big Ten, but the lead over Michigan has shrunk significantly. So we'll see if they can find somebody to replace Patterson in there. And you mentioned some moms coming out and supporting Urban Meyer on social media. It started with Christina Miller, the mother of 2019 five-star center commit Harry Miller. She issued a statement to our friends over at 11 Warriors, and in it, she detailed the years of domestic violence that she suffered. So she's coming from a place of experience, and she said, quote, If I thought for one second that Urban Meyer would not only condone that kind of behavior, but turn a blind eye to it, and he's been as he's been accused of doing, he most certainly would not be a dear friend, and you could bet our son would not be spending the next four years of his life with him. He doesn't and didn't. His biggest fault was in trying to help someone who obviously had too many problems, some never proven and many unknown, a choice now I imagine he deeply regrets. I know this man well. He is perfectly human, but not malicious or unkind. If you ask anyone who truly knows him, they will tell you the same. Alana Templeton, the mother of freshman wide receiver Cameron Babb, who's going to be out for most of this season with an ACL injury, and Stacey Ray, whose oldest son Max Ray, is a freshman offensive lineman on the team, and the younger son, Jake, is a four-star commit in the 2020 class. They both echoed Christina Miller's sentiments. So as you said, it seems like there is a groundswell of support for Urban Meyer amongst the mothers of recruits and current players. And I think that this might be something that, you know, we often talk about how players are used to recruit other players to their classes. I would not be surprised if we started seeing more mothers from current players or recruits become more vocal to kind of ease some of the apprehension that some families might have about sending their sons to play for Urban Meyer now. Absolutely. It sort of reminds me of the group of moms, you know, right after Jim Tressel. You know, you had like the Elliots and Annie Apple. The moms were a whole collective, you know, like a group, Mm -hmm. an extension of the football team. And that's important. You know, it helps keep the guys who are far away, you know, close. And I think it definitely will go a long way in recruiting the families of the players that they want. Like you said, if this is the only player that doesn't follow through on his commitment, I, I think the coaching staff will have to be very happy with that as the 2019 class is good, but the 2020 class is one that could be the best in Urban Meyer's entire career. So if they're able to keep all of those 2020 commits, that'll go a long way to saying that, yes, this whole fiasco sucked, but maybe it didn't have a ton of long-term impact on the program. All right. So that's the, hopefully the end of the (laughs) discussion about this investigation and scandal. Let's start talking about the stuff that actually happens on the field. Over the weekend, Ryan Day uh, got to announce the seven captains for this year's 2018 Ohio State football team. And they are H-back Paris Campbell, safety Jordan Fuller, wide receiver Johnny Dixon, defensive end Nick Bosa, wide receiver Terry McLaurin, offensive lineman Isaiah Prince, and sophomore linebacker Tuff Borland. Alexis, I know that there is one player that you are incredibly excited about receiving this honor. I am so excited for Johnny Dixon. Like he just, he deserves everything good. You know, he suffered injury after injury and 
was really on the edge of quitting football and, you know, Mm -hmm. giving up his dream. And for him to fight back and not just fight back, but do so successfully, become one of the top wide receivers on the team. Now he's a captain. You know, a lot of these wide receivers took a big chance coming back for a season versus declaring for the draft. And I think Johnny Dixon is one of the best examples to, you know, to be a captain of the team. Like he's, he's definitely deserved it. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who came in as a hugely touted recruit, but has never been able to get a cohesive season together because of knee injury after knee injury. And I honestly kind of thought he would just leave after last season, not because he necessarily had a great season, but he put together enough film that NFL scouts could have looked and said, you know what, if he stays healthy, he's got some talent. But like you said, he took a risk. Yeah, exactly. But he took a risk, said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to try to have the season that I know I'm capable of. And his teammates have seen that and they've rewarded him by making him a captain. I think that's uh, fantastic. I think another thing we can learn from this group is that Tough Borland is a sophomore and he suffered an Achilles injury back in March. And we because of this whole blackout thing, we don't really know if he's 100 percent. But I think this probably tells us that he's likely to be the starter at middle linebacker. Oh, absolutely. And even if he's not ready to go in week one, which it seemed like by all accounts that his he was progressing very nicely, like early on in the spring for his injury. So it would be even if he's not in for game one, I definitely think that he's done enough in the locker room to prove that he's earned that during his recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And because he's a sophomore becoming a captain, he has the ability to match JT Barrett's record of being the only three-time captain in Ohio Ugh. State history. He won't do it just because it like will have to stay with JT Barrett. Like I feel like Meyer would be like, "Nope, sorry. That's that's JT Barrett's record. You just can't do it this year." <laughs> I I personally don't think it's going to matter. I think if Tough Borland plays as well as we think he can, uh, both this year and next year, he probably leaves at such a physical position as linebacker. There's no reason to continue beating yourself up for free when you can go to the NFL <laughs> and make some money. No, not a chance. But it will be interesting to see if he plays uh, Nick Bosa, uh, another junior, a lot of wide receivers when you throw Paris Campbell in there, Campbell, Dixon, McLaurin, a lot's going to be asked of that wide receiver group. And I think depending on how far they go, obviously in conjunction with Dwayne Haskins, but the wide receivers, both in terms of the captains and the production on the field, are going to be a real telling point as to how far this Ohio State team can go. So it seems appropriate to me that we are so wide receiver heavy in these captains picks. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so let's spin away from football here because while we had some bad recruiting news with Kane Patterson over the weekend, we also got some very good recruiting news for the women's basketball team. As six foot one guard out of Canton McKinley High School, Kirsten Bell has committed to Ohio State, and she's not just another basketball commit. She is the top-ranked player in Ohio. She's the two-time reigning Ohio Miss basketball, and she's the fifth-ranked player in the country, according to ESPN's Hoop Girls Recruiting Rankings. As a junior at Canton McKinley, she averaged 33.3 points, 9.6 rebounds, and five steals per game. She's That's a crazy. But she is the top player in the state of Ohio, but she's not the only one that Coach uh, Kevin McGuff is looking to bring in. She is the third top 60 player in the class, 
And he's looking to add two more top 10 players who just also so happen to be from the state of Ohio. Uh, Jordan Horston is the uh, eighth ranked player in the country. She currently attends Columbus Afrocentric High School. And then there's Zia Cook, who is the 10th ranked player nationally, who goes to Toledo Rogers High School. If he is able to land either or both of those players, it could be a really, really big class for the women's basketball team because coming into the 2018-2019 season, it's going to be a little rough. They only returned six and a half points of production from last season. They've got like four returning players. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but like maybe like four freshmen and like seven grad transfers. So it's going to be a little rough this season. But if they're able to to wrap up this class with another stud player or two, the 2019-2020 season and then moving forward could be really, really strong for the women's basketball team. They need like they need like three or four players probably to just match up with Kelsey Mitchell. Like you have to fill (laughs) such a big hole. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it seems like at least they're interesting to some of the top talent. So the fact that we got bell and then hopefully, you know, some other Ohio uh, talent even is better. So, you know, should be an exciting future for the women's basketball team. Yeah, and Kirsten Bell, who just committed over the weekend, she is the top-rated player to commit to Ohio State since Kelsey Mitchell. So uh, she's definitely got big shoes to fill, and uh, we'll see what if she's able to do it here in a a season and a half at at Ohio State. All right, so sticking with some non-football stuff, Alexis, we got some action as we start to get into the fall season from some non-revenue sports. What do you got over there from the volleyball world? So uh, women's volleyball started up this this weekend, and Ohio State picked up a pair of wins on Saturday. They filled St. John Arena with about 4,000 fans, so, you know, Columbus always shows up. The Buckeyes started the day with a sweep of in-state rival Ohio, and then over Texas A&M. They ended up being crowned champions of the tournament, so they won a perfect 3-0. and So, you know, go Bucks. <laughs> Absolutely. The women's <laughs> volleyball team will be back on the court this Friday afternoon against Southern Miss down in Oxford, Mississippi in the first match of the Rebel Invitational. Sticking with women's sports, the women's soccer team got their first win of the season over the weekend, and it was a big one as they knocked off number five Florida one nothing. Freshman forward Kayla Fisher scored in the 56th minute. She fired a left-footed strike from 12 yards just inside the right post for her first career goal as a freshman. Following losses last weekend to Duke and North Carolina, who were ranked third and sixth at the time, Ohio State head coach Lori Walker-Hawk said it was important to get back to playing with their full roster. She said, quote, We had some players who weren't with us last weekend who stepped up and passed fitness. I was really proud to have them here with us today because it made all the difference in our ability to press and our ability to sub. The women's soccer team is actually in the midst of their home opener against Duquesne as we record on Sunday night, so we don't really know if they won, but... Let's just assume they did. Hopefully they did. Um, But they will be back on the pitch as they host Moorhead State at 7 p.m. on Thursday night at Jesse Owens Stadium. Alexis, what what happened with field hockey over the weekend? So Ohio State is ranked 24th and Louisville is er, is ranked number eight. And Ohio State won in overtime. Nice. Um, Esther Claudet scored. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> scored in overtime to complete the comeback win. Final score was three to two. And uh, the Buckeyes will be back in action against Maine on Saturday at six o'clock. Awesome. All right. So, Alexis, we are recording again on Friday, but I want to get our predictions on the record now because I want to see if anything happens between now 
in Thursday night when we record with this media availability to see if it changes our opinion of anything. So what do you have in terms of a score prediction for the Ohio State versus Oregon State game coming up on Saturday? Um, I'm going to go with maybe like 53 to 10. I think the Buckeyes are going to be so mad and they're going to want to get over 50. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe a little higher, but I definitely think they're going to come out with a vengeance. Yeah, I we're in the same ballpark here. I, I think that because of all of the crap that they've had to go through over the past month, they're going to be, whether it's anger or just excitement to actually be playing, you're going to get a great effort from Ohio State. I, I'm going with 58 to 13, and I think that's a, probably a little generous to the Beavers on both the offense and defensive side. I I mean, I could see a shutout. The, the Beavers were 1-11 last year, although they do have a lot of veteran players returning on both sides of the ball. But this could be an old-fashioned John Cooper versus Rice butt-kicking. Uh, but I think it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens when you've got Dwayne Haskins starting for the first time. How long will they let him stay in? How long will Ryan Day allow him to keep throwing the ball? I think it'll be really interesting to see how they play this. But I, I would imagine a good 40 to 45 point win for the Buckeyes is in order on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And without you know any access to how Haskins development has gone this fall. Um, ooh, I just can't wait to see it. Like, you know, he's already got a good arm, but like, how much does he run? I don't, you know, who's his favorite target? Like you would imagine it's Paris Campbell, but maybe it'll be Johnny Dixon or McLaurin. Like there's so many possibilities. I'm so excited. Yeah. Austin (laughs) Mack. You never know. What what are they going to do with Demario McCall? Is he going to be more of a pass catching age back or out of the backfield? We don't know. Uh, Another thing that we should mention before we go, we talked about it when it was reported, but now it is official that former West Virginia quarterback Chris Chuganov is now officially a member of the Ohio State football team. We do not know if he is on scholarship or not, because we don't know anything because they aren't telling us anything. I'm sure that might be a question that's asked at the press conference on Monday. But I might write something about this later this week, Alexis. I kind of sneakily think he might be the backup quarterback. Uh, I know you do. And I feel like that's a a little hot takey, but also not entirely unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, look, I know Ohio State fans love Tate Martell, but Brock can't throw his way out of a wet paper bag. So, I mean, like I, I mean, and, and Matthew Baldwin, who I was actually saying Matthew Baldwin would be the backup before this Chuganov thing happened. We don't know if he's a hundred percent again, because right. we haven't seen practice. So I would not be surprised if they bring in this guy who not a great quarterback at West Virginia only played in 10 games, had like a sub 50% completion percentage, but he's got experience. He's actually thrown a ball in a college game, unlike Baldwin or Martell. So I I think I I don't know. I mean, we don't we really don't know how long he's been with the team. We don't know if he's on scholarship. We don't know a lot, but I think it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think we'll have a better idea heading into, you know, hopefully game day. Hopefully we get more stuff this week. Um, but if not, we'll definitely know at the end of week one what the situation is. And that's exciting. Yeah, and I don't expect him necessarily to be the backup in game one, uh, because if he's hasn't been with the team throughout, you know, all right. of fall practice and stuff. But I think as it works on to, and progresses throughout the season, if you get to the midway point in the season and he's acclimated himself into the Ohio State offense and quarterback room well, I could see that happening. So we'll see what happens. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to actually know what a depth chart looks like, because uh, we'll yes. be getting that on Tuesday as well. 
Anyway, thank you for listening to the Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all of our episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You can follow Alexis at LovelyBuckeye. And you can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and at LandGrantHolyLand on Instagram and Facebook. It's game week, all. It's time to get serious. No more talk about suspensions. No more talk about investigations. And please, God, no more talk about Zach Smith. We'll talk to you again on Friday, everybody. And go Bucks. Go Bucks. That was very enthusiastic. Thank you. I know. I'm, I'm excited now. <laughs>